Hi, everybody. Dave Hodges here in the guest segment of the Common Sense Show. Thank you so much for being with us. Really appreciate your time and attention. You're obviously one of those exemplary Americans that the left say doesn't exist. You're an outstanding person who supports the rule of law, the Constitution, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And you don't have to be any of those to follow what we do because we're about equality. We just want to preserve the American life and not become a communist nation. And uh, we're so glad you're here. And we know most of you are living in the pursuit of these goals. And along those lines, we get good guests, really good guests. And we have Sheriff Mack back on for a return appearance. And we're going to be talking about what he's up to and some brushes he's had with the mainstream media. But most importantly, things are very dire out there right now. And our power centers are being torn down. Uh, The liberals are trying to control every aspect of our life. And we're going to talk about the sheriffs and the important role they can play. Uh, Before we go to Sheriff Mack, need to pay some bills, but also I want you to realize we turn down 90% of our advertising. And you notice we do our ads up front so we have a full, clear shot with our guests. We do that to minimize the time we spend advertising. But number one, we got to pay the bills. But number two, I select advertising based on your needs and what I think you need. And ladies and gentlemen, the dollar is going off as the world reserve currency. That means we have hyperinflation in our future. And I can't tell you if it's next week, next month, in June, or June of 2022. But it's going to happen. Too much debt and with no backing as the reserve currency, the dollar is doomed. And if you leave your money in the bank, that's where it's going to stay. I keep operating capital. I recommend you do. And I'm into gold, silver, Bitcoin. I insure IRAs with with things that I know are going to last, like gold, not certificates, the real thing. If you can't hold it, you don't own it. And who do I use? I use Noble Gold. And I used to just be an advertiser, but they helped so many people. And my audience gave me rave reviews. I called the owner, Colin Plume, who I know well. I said, Colin, can you look at my stuff? And I got a really big report that said, Dave, you got to make some changes. And we've done a couple. And I'm so glad I did. I sleep better at night. Noble Gold can help you too. Give them a call with my highest endorsement, 877-646-5647. And you can go to noblegoldinvestments.com is their website. Also, one more thing. You notice Bill Gates and nothing he touches turns to good. Everything he touches turns to you know what. Bill Gates is now the biggest owner of American farmland the capital gains tax of Biden will remove a lot of the small family farmers because they can't afford to pay the transfer tax on capital equipment because, as you know, farmers are cash poor and capital rich. And this is going to put the hands of our food supply in the hands of the minority, of the few. And if you don't think that the left won't use food as a weapon, read your history books. Think again. So we're telling you, we're recommending everyone get two years of storable food. If you can't get to the two-year level, do the best you can do, but also make sure you have seeds. We don't sell the seeds, but we sell the food at MPS. In fact, we have a 20% off sale on our four-week increments. And you go, well, I need more than four weeks. I know, but you buy everything in four-week increments, and you'll get the 20% sale for your entire order, or as many orders as you place. That's how you save money. Restaurant quality. Okay, this stuff tastes good. I've tasted it multiple times. 25-year shelf life, 2,000 calories per day. MPS is the best going in the country right now. And I'm telling you, I think time is short, both from the dollar standpoint melting down 
and from our food supply being independent and plentiful and not going into hyperinflation because of shortage, I think time is short. And I'm not saying that to make a sale. I'm saying that because I care about America and I want Americans to be prepared. And I don't want you coming to my door because I got enough for my family. I may not have enough for you. So go to preparewithdave.com. That's preparewithdave.com. Well, Sheriff Mack is one of our favorite guests. Why? Because number of reasons. He took on the bad guys, the big guys, the Clintons, and kicked their behind before the Supreme Court. And that kind of launched him into prominence beyond his own local community in Arizona. And now he's out educating sheriffs on how they are the last line of defense to save America. And Trump said it really well at CPAC. Donald Trump said, do you miss me yet? It's only been 30 days and Biden is dismantling our country. And this is why people like Sheriff Mack and the work he's doing training other sheriffs is absolutely critical to our success. So I asked him, I called him up and he was actually at a conference in Texas where Gary Haven spoke, another friend of the show. And he said, yeah, we're here talking about the importance of this and that. And I said, got to get you back on. So here he is, Sheriff Mack. Sheriff, thanks for joining us, my friend. Well, thanks so much, Dave, for having me again. And it's a pleasure, especially with the feeling that I have after our uh, Houston event over the weekend. Uh, I, man, I wish you had been there. But you can ask uh, Gary about it, and he'll tell you. Gary Haven uh, helped uh, uh, sponsor the event. And uh, between speakers, one time we had a little extra time, and so I asked him to speak, and he spoke for about 10 minutes or so, and he brought the house down, and he was spot on. And what I'm really proud of is uh, I'm reading an article here in front of me uh, by Mary Maxwell, and she attended. She attended, and we do not kick out any uh, media from wherever they are. The Washington Post was there. They had two reporters there, not just one. And then there was a few local uh, media from the Woodlands. We actually had it at the Woodlands, which is about 25 miles outside of Houston from uh, uh, George Bush Airport, uh, Intercontinental Airport, and that's where we flew into. And the Woodlands is just beautiful, beautiful area. And as you well know, Dave, uh, just a little over a week ago, they were having... Uh, catastrophic uh, freezes and frozen rain and snow and we were so afraid because Montgomery County Sheriff uh, Rand Henderson helped sponsor this event and uh, one of his sergeants was helping us organize the whole thing and he was wonderful uh, the training was 16 hours credit from TCLO which is uh, the post certification for all peace officers in the state, they got 16 hours of ongoing training certification uh, to maintain their annual certification. So we were really grateful to uh, Rand, uh, Sheriff Henderson and his office for helping us get that. And uh, there was 200 people in attendance, and at least 120 of those were public officials, sheriffs, deputies, and uh, one even highway patrol officer. And we had, get this, we had Democrat sheriffs and Republican sheriffs and independent sheriffs and uh, other politicians uh, who were didn't care about politics. And I'm going to quote her, um, Mary Maxwell. She said, um, 
The meeting I attended today uh, just outside Houston was about as maskless as you can get. This is because <laughs> when the state governor of Texas ordered everyone to wear a mask, the sheriff of Montgomery County said, <clears throat> as in, not in my county. My peace officers will not enforce it. And they didn't. Yeah. And, and see, right there, just as you alluded to at the beginning to introduce me in the show today, uh, the sheriffs of this country are standing up. Sheriff Henderson stood up from the very beginning, going against a fellow Republican, the governor. We've had that happen here in Arizona, as you know uh, well also. And it, it really is the solution. And if anyone had been there at this conference Friday and Saturday, you would be thrilled with the hope of that meeting and the legitimacy of our message that the sheriffs can stop all of the dictatorial tyranny going on in our country today. Wow, that's that's just fantastic. Sheriff, I'm going to tell you something. You know, i got some free time coming up. You do many more of these. I may have to show up at one or two of them. Well, I'll let you know because uh, right now the sheriff who attended from Arkansas uh, actually raised his hand and said, can we do the next one in our state? <laughs> and so, yeah, that's the kind of – and then there was all sorts of comments. And then several other sheriffs said, no, let's have it in hill country over in our area. This is too far away. We could get a lot more sheriffs in hill country. And then another one near Dallas said, no, we need to have it over in Dallas area. And so there literally became a, a, a big debate about which which area of the country we should have the next one. And we were thrilled to be tossed around uh, like a volleyball and, and because they all wanted us for the next one. And I, and I said, look, we're going to try to have them much more frequently, so let's, let's have it in all of those areas. So we're, we're, I'm thinking we're going to do uh, Arkansas next. Wow. And we're, and we're actually aiming for May or June, probably June. So. The Bible Belt. <laughs> that's, yes. that's where you seem to be having a lot of your penetration. Um, yes. Before we get, get into the issues here, um, you know, I just want to express what I think a lot of people may not know. Some people know, but a lot don't. When you're talking about a sheriff or a deputy, ladies and gentlemen, you're talking about not just a person who risks their life to protect you and me every day. And every time they get out of a car to, for a motorist that's done something naughty, maybe not serious, they're risking their life. They show up to your property when you have a prowler. They risk their life. But also the difference between sheriffs and deputies and regular police officers, who I absolutely love and admire too, is they can protect you politically. And this is what we hope to make clear and what the sheriff was doing when he was in Houston at this conference. It's not just the physical protection at the cost, perhaps, of their own life, but it's also the political protection they're willing to stand up and say, you will not cross this line, Biden. Your people will not do this in my county. And this is what makes this movement so special. Sheriff, let's talk about some of the issues you went over at, at your conference. Well, amen to that. And a lot of it was just what you said, because a, a lot of this entire uh, atmosphere in our country right now is surrounding one simple promise from Joe Biden. 
Oh, and uh, his hit woman, uh, Kamala Harris, that they want to have more gun control in America. And the sheriffs that were in attendance there uh, were uh, really on edge about that. Uh, We showed the letter that the Utah sheriffs signed and sent to Biden and Obama uh, back in 2004. When was it? Right right after Sandy Hook when Biden and Obama promised more gun control. So maybe, when was that, 2011, 2012? Yeah. So anyway, we we had the letter. We we showed the letter and then had the date on it. But 28 out of 29 sheriffs in Utah told the Obama administration, and the letter was sent to Biden and Obama, that uh, they would – that these sheriffs would protect the right of the people to keep and bear arms – and protect them from being treated and and made to be criminals because they merely do one thing, and that is possess a gun. They've never committed an act of violence. They've never committed a crime. They don't intend to commit a crime. They're very law-abiding people, but Biden and Harris are promising to come and get those guns. The sheriffs that were at this meeting, and as I said, maybe 65 sheriffs from all across the country, mostly from Texas, but uh, California, uh, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, uh, there there was a bunch of them. And uh, about 15 different states were represented. And they're saying, we're not going to allow this to happen. And in my speech and several others, we said, I asked the question. And, and remember, again, Washington Post reporters are sitting in the audience, other reporters from Texas and and the local area there, Houston and and the Woodlands, uh, were all there. And I asked the question, is there anybody in here who really believes that the government has the authority and that they should in some way try to arrest a black American for mere possession of a gun? Should they do that to an Asian American? Should they do it to Hispanic Americans? Arrest them or confiscate their property without due process merely for possessing a gun that that uh, that Biden, for some reason, believes we should not be allowed to own. And then and then I really hit hard on this, and that is simply this. Biden has told us that he is trying to achieve unity in America. Well, so I talked about civility and unity. And I said, is there any way, and I asked this to the uh, Washington Post reporters as well, is there any way we can achieve unity and civility in this country if we don't all agree on certain principles? And wouldn't it be wonderful if those principles were the ten rights as guaranteed mm-hmm. in the Bill of Rights. If we can't see, if we can't see eye to eye and, and be unified and civil about those twenty eight principles of freedom, yes there's ten amendments, but there's twenty eight principles mentioned therein. If we can't agree on that, then how could we ever achieve civility and unity? We can't. So. And it, it really there's a reason why Jefferson did what he did, but there's a reason why the First Amendment came first, 
and the Second Amendment came second. The First oh, Amendment, yeah. and you look at what COVID took away, Sheriff. It took away the meeting places that led to the American Revolution, the taverns, the churches, the schools, the where people gathered in the colonies. King George and Lord North couldn't control that, and that's where the revolution was born. And the left knows this. This is why they did the ridiculous lockdown restrictions they had, so we wouldn't congregate and talk about their plans to disarm us. And, you know, I'm gonna, I, I know I've mentioned this before and we've talked, but just for the benefit of the audience, the University of Hawaii did something called the Democide Project, and it's still ongoing, and it's a multi-generational study of uh, democides, how they happen, death by government as opposed to death by war. Governments kill right. far more people than they do in wars. But here's another telling oh, thing. Yeah. There were 16 genocides in the 20th century. Every one of them was preceded by gun confiscation. Yeah, of course. Can yeah, never, and, ever and give up our guns. It, that's the scariest thing about the history of gun control. And, and how is it that the Democrat Party wants the same exact policy as did those dictators of the 20th century? They say the same rhetoric. They use the same policies, they use the same language, and they use the same threats. And they and do. And no one they, wants to object to that. Well, they engage in hypocrisy. They, they oh say, you can't have a gun, but our supporters in Antifa can rampage through the streets and murder off-duty uh, retired policeman David Dorn, who had been a lieutenant in a police force who was providing security for a store. But they can have the guns. That's okay. But you as American yeah. citizen merely defending your home, you can't have a gun. To whom it is already guaranteed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, and I ask this question. When it comes to gun ownership and the Second Amendment, what is government's role? What is government supposed to do regarding our rights to keep and bear arms? You know what it is, right? Well, they have to protect it. That's it. Yes. End of, end, end of story, end of answer. Put a period behind that. They have one duty regarding my right, your right, our collective right or individual right, whatever you want to call it, and it is a collective right as well as an individual right. They have one duty, and that is to make sure that that right is never interfered with and that our right to keep and bear arms is absolutely guaranteed. That is their job, and only their job, regarding my right to keep and bear arms. That's it. They have to make sure that it's protected. Do you know where we really see this subtle difference? And, and But I think it, it's a small distinction, but it's important. When I watched Trump speak at CPAC, I was reminded of what he continually told the American voter. This is what I want to do for you. This is what I want to do for America. America first. I want to do things for America. And all I ever heard Biden and Harris talk about is what they wanted to do to us. To us, yeah. Yeah, and it's such an important distinction. And they don't have the right to mess with our guns. And I look at their strategy as incrementalism, inch by inch, it's a cinch. They'll define guns that you can't have and lie about the nature of the gun. And then I think eventually they're going to move to all guns. Do you agree with that? Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's not going to be enough uh, 
to get rid of the assault rifles. But the the problem is the assault rifles have never been significant in the creation of crime, or, or they're they're not used in in uh, most assaults. In fact, very seldom are they used, and so they're not going. There there's no way that it, that can have an impact on crime whatsoever because they've never been a part of it in the first place. Uh, it's the it's the uh, Saturday night special. It's the uh, pistol that is easily carried, easily concealed, uh, and these assault rifles just simply are not uh, any of that. You just can't can you just can't conceal it, and and it's not easily taken from one place to another, uh, and so the the mass shootings uh, uh, very rarely have that going on, uh, unless unless you're very far away, like the guy in Vegas when he started shooting at the crowd, uh, you know, 150 yards away. And so, yeah, it's not going to have any impact. And so they're always going to have to come back. Really, to get rid of crime, we've got to stop them all. And as if I could remind you of that, you mentioned just uh, real briefly my lawsuit uh, against the Clinton administration. Well, it was their overreach on gun control and trying to get the entire country to be part of this. Well, there were five Brady bills scheduled to be passed one year after another until all five were there. Brady Bill 2 was introduced just two weeks after I filed on Brady Bill 1. Brady Bill 2, Howard Metzenbaum from New York, introduced Brady Bill 2. Well, the committee said, look, we got two small-town sheriffs suing us on Brady Bill 1. How is it that we're going to uh, start a, a promulgation and another bill when Brady Bill 1 hasn't even passed uh, the courts yet? So it, it stopped there. And then Brady Bills, uh, all Brady Bills, two, three, four, and five, all died after we won our lawsuit just three years later. And so the thing of it is, Brady Bill 2 was going to put so many restrictions on gun shows that they would have been regulated out of business. There wasn't going to be any more gun shows. And, and Brady Bill 2 also said that it was going to uh, serialize and regulate ammunition. And that's already coming again, too. So... Our, our lawsuit did more, two small-town sheriffs did more to stop gun control in Washington, D.C. and the United States Congress than anyone in Congress has done in the last 75 years. Uh, and, and one guy told me once, a, a, a gun show owner, he said, you know what your lawsuit did for America? And I said, well, I'm I, sure I do a few things, yes. And he goes, you, you, bought, the, you bought the Second, Second Amendment movement. You bought us about 25 years. And I said, well, God, that's really nice of you to say. Thanks. Uh, and But he's right. It, it really did buy the country about 25 to 30 years. And, it uh, did. But they were. it, it was going to completely gut Brady Bills 2, 3, 4, and 5. We're going to get rid of FFLs. They were going to regulate and charge. They were going to triple uh, the charge to, to get an FFL license. And uh, then they were going to regulate uh, gun shops out of existence. And they were proud about every bit of it. And, and so you have to be afraid of any federal government that believes they have a responsibility, right, and authority to regulate uh, that which is guaranteed by the Second Amendment and the Founding Fathers. And so they established a BATF to regulate how, where, and what you can do in, in exercising your Second Amendment rights. It's already guaranteed. And, and so it, 
Another one that bugs me about that is that you that states and counties and cities will regulate your right to peaceably assemble. You know that, right? Yeah, totally illegal. Yeah, you have to get a permit. You have to get a permit from local government in order to go peaceably assemble. Why? Yeah. The Why rights are ordained by God, not by your local <laughs> government. Right. So not only that, they'll charge you for it and even make you get an insurance policy to boot. And the only thing I I say to anybody, and, and when I was sheriff and, and uh, worked the permits uh, thing, I said, look, they don't have to get a permit. I tell the county, they don't have to get a permit, but we really appreciate them letting us know that they're going to be there. And we would simply say, look, another group is going to be there also. You might want to change your day, you know, because we already have somebody on the list that's going to be at the courthouse. Sometimes they would do it with them and they would join forces. Other times they would change the date. But I would not allow uh, the permit thing to charge people. All we did was put it on the calendar and say, thanks for letting us know. Do you need security? And then we'd sign a deputy or two to, to security. But this, this thing about making money off of, off of permitting people to exercise what's already guaranteed in the Constitution and your innate right was already there. Again, government's job is to make sure it is protected, not charge for it. The problem lies, though, in the courts. That, that should instantly be struck down when it happens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But the courts are compromised. Yeah, and it's too bad that they uh, are trying to help their buddies or they're trying to help their reelection or reelection bids or whatever. It's, it's really sad that we've uh, turned our courts into uh, political hacks instead of guards of the republic and, and the constitution. It's a risk of sounding like a wild-eyed radical, and of course I'll get branded as being a domestic terrorist for saying this. I just want to pitch your reaction to this. Um, the election was clearly stolen. We saw the evidence on television. We saw the evidence even before the election where Trump folks were found in cornfields at the bottom of dumpsters. I don't even think there should have been an election at that time. But that being the case, you have an entire justice system that that got or received over 30 cases and what did they say you don't have standing so wait a minute the the incumbent president doesn't have standing the american people don't have standing for a fair election and the violation of poll watchers and all kinds of other things that went on and, and that the 20 states that objected didn't have standing well then no one has standing in any case the bottom line is is for whatever reason, bribery, uh, blackmail, whatever it is, liberal persuasion, Biden fans, whatever it would be, they have rendered to America, and this is my opinion, a land where, number one, there's no reason to vote under the existing system until there's change. And number two, we have a judiciary at all levels that cannot be trusted now to follow the rule of law. Yeah, I'm sorry. If that's a radical extremist statement, then you and I uh, are completely together on that. You mean you actually agree with my radical view here? Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm really going out on a limb here. No, not at all. I'm not, I'm not stretching anything because this is – I can even make that simpler for you. I'll simplify the whole thing you just said. 
if there is a computerized vote tally anywhere in America, then we should be doing everything, first of all, to have paper ballots. If you're not, if you have a government that is so hell-bent on, on using computers to tabulate votes, every single precinct should be required by law to hand count at least 1% of all the votes in that precinct. Do I care if it takes longer? No. No. I don't care. Why would I care if it takes longer? You know, why would I care? But the only ones that care about that are crooked politicians and the media because they want the results earlier. Government is not here to placate or pander to the media. I don't care if they have to wait a day or two to get the results of the election. I do not care. And they can still do exit polling and do whatever they want on predicting the election. I don't care. But what I care about is to verify the vote. And we will never be able to do that with computerized voting. One other thing. If Maricopa County is so hell-bent on letting everybody know that the election was uh, honest, upfront, and no fraud, then why are they hiding all their stuff and refuse to turn it over to the state investigators? Yeah. They are refusing, and they've done it several times. And now they've finally got a court order that they have to turn over the ballots uh, to investigators. There, that's enough right there to start a major investigation all across the country. And, and not only that, I want to I call out the biggest liar in the country. And I'm sorry, but it's uh, the former AG uh, Barr. Because he came out and he said the most astonishing thing, and the media, of course, loved him for it, so they didn't try to call him on it. And I just talked to the Washington Post about this. I said, how is it that you and the, and the rest of the media allow Attorney General to come out and say uh, there is no fraud, and even if there was, it's not enough to uh, change the election? Can you imagine that he said such a thing? So if he did say, say such a thing, which you know, both of us know he said that, right? Yes. Yeah, of course. And so I want to ask him one question. If you are making such a statement, how did you arrive to that conclusion? If you did an investigation, if you're making that claim, then you obviously are saying you did some sort of investigation. Show it to me. Show it to the, the people of this country. If you didn't do an investigation, you are a liar, sir, and you are covering up for the left and the Democrats and a fraudulent election. You just covered up for them because you did not do an investigation, nor did anyone in your office. And if you had, we would have known about it. And you making that blanket statement that you know nothing about because you did not do a, uh, an investigation. And if you look at all the evidence and especially even just the circumstantial evidence that there was out there, uh, that, that would require a major investigation all the way from California to Bangor, Maine. And they conducted not a single one. We had a couple of sheriffs try to do investigations, but nobody in the federal government tried to do an investigation. Astonishing. It is astonishing. You know, it made me realize that when Donald Trump came into office, I thought, well, maybe we'll have to arrest a few thousand people and have a lot of trials and go through a little pain, but we're on the right road. 
And now I made a mistake. I underestimated the size of the deep state. The government is the deep state. So did he. So did he. And he did not drain the swamp. The swamp drained him. And I'm not blaming him for it. It's just exactly what your conclusion is. It was a lot bigger and stronger than what any of us thought. It's the government. It's it, it. You know, there's a saying in DHS, and I talked to a number of people in DHS. You can't trust anyone above a GS-15. Translation, that's who Obama <laughs> appointed. And this is what you see yeah. in the FBI. Most of the FBI agents are good guys. They care about the Constitution. They care about law and order. And they carry out their duty respectfully. But the leadership of the FBI is as criminal as they get. They're mafia. Yeah. Ray yeah. is mafia. All right. of them. They're yeah. all mafia. Yeah, I'm afraid you're right. And and I have said this for a long time, and I'll say it again. The greatest threat to our God-given American liberty is our own federal government. And and I'm sorry. I'm not going to change my mind and don't bring up the terrorists who did 9-11 and, and all these other people and, and all these other horrible groups that hate America. No one has destroyed, and as you alluded to earlier, no one has destroyed or killed more people than governments. Uh, including ours. Ours is culpable in a lot of it. And uh, no one has destroyed more liberty in America than our own federal government. And the corruption is running so deep here in America that that's really the pandemic that we're all fighting uh, now to try to stay alive and save something for the heritage of our future generations, children and grandchildren. It is, I will, uh, that's a very radical statement. Uh, and, and I'm not backing down from it one iota. We have so much corruption in Washington, D.C. that is not even recognizable anymore. Anything that we were supposed to have handed down to us from the founding fathers. Well, so, John Kennedy but, echoed those sentiments in his Secret Society oh, speech did. 60 years ago. We're opposed yeah. by a monolithic secret cabal that uh, you know basically has gorillas by night. Uh, you know, He went through the whole litany of deception, corruption, media collaboration. Uh, he went, th- I mean, his words speak to today. I'm actually deciphering his speech right now. I'm going to write an article that talks about secret society speech applied to modern times. And uh, it, it fits so well. Um, you know, here, here's, here's the biggest thing that the average person doesn't know. And I know you're, the sheriffs know this, and I know you're you're talking about this a lot. But the average person thinks that the government can grant you your rights and jefferson was quite clear these are ordained by god man cannot take them away yep pretty scary that uh, we think just the opposite government gives it to us and government is in charge of them oh my gosh government is in charge of our rights no wonder we have a batf No wonder we have uh, all of these regulations regarding the natural God-given rights that we were all born with. Astonishing, absolutely. Hey, I want to I want to real quickly uh, go over the program that we had there. Yes, yes, exactly. Beautiful. I have it right here in my hand, and the very first speaker, of course, was Chef Rand Henderson, who welcomed all of us and set the tone for the event. And uh, it, it was great that he did that. I mean, he, he's just a, a stalwart guy. And then 
Uh, I did an hour and a half of the constitutional sheriff training. And this was the first time that I've done that in the 11 conventions that we've had nationwide since uh, 2012. Uh, this was the first time where I focused on making sure that the people there in attendance got at least a, 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 about half of my normal class on the Constitution for, for law enforcement, or for sheriffs, for peace officers, for public officials. And the main thing in, that, in my presentation is what would you do to Rosa Parks? And if you were called back into time, would you have arrested Rosa Parks for not giving her seat to a white man? Well, in the audience was one of our modern-day Rosa Parks, and her name is Larvita McFlarkor, and she lives in uh, Minnesota, and the government is going after her because she won't close down her restaurant. Well, she and her four girls, oh, Larvita is black, by the way. Her four daughters are black, and they run this restaurant and a, and a, gym, and a gym for gymnastics uh, in a, an adjacent building to the restaurant, and they are fighting like heck to stay alive and, and to be able to feed themselves and to make a living. That's it. And so I, got, I went off the stage and down into the audience, and I said, and here's our modern-day Rosa Parks. She is being attacked civilly and criminally by the state of Minnesota. And I said, Rosa Parks was not charged with not giving her seat to a white man. You know that, right? She wasn't charged with that. There was no law that said a black must give her seat to a white man. What she was charged with was disorderly conduct because she didn't give her seat to a white man. Yeah. And so that's what Larvita wasn't charged with with the right thing either, but she was charged because she didn't want her daughter to have to wear a mask at school. So she went down to the school to talk to him about don't make her, don't kick her out of school because she's not wearing a mask. It's not up to you to force her to wear a mask. And I said, so she wasn't charged with trying to keep her child from not from being forced to wear a mask. She was charged with trespass. Same thing. So trespassing on your own property. No, on, on the school property. School property, okay. Yeah, so they told her to leave, and she would because she said, my daughter's here, and I'm here. I have a legitimate reason to be here. You can't tell me I'm a, under arrest. So she's going to court this Wednesday, and I was just talking to her about that. So she's a modern-day Rosa Parks. My, how things have changed just since 1955 when Rosa Parks was arrested. Anyway, people, you need to get to our website and, and check out this entire video that's available of that conference. And then uh, my vice president spoke about the dangers of what we're doing uh, to, to make fools of ourselves in law enforcement by breaking the law on asset forfeiture. And that there's, we're, we're okay with asset forfeiture against cartels, mafia, whoever. I don't care who the criminal is or what organization belongs to, but we have to set the example and follow the Fourth and Fifth Amendment rights and, and the Sixth Amendment to due process and to reasonable suspicion and to probable cause. And so uh, then we can take it, but it has to be after conviction, not prior, and then the person have to prove how they got the money and other assets. And then uh, you know Chris Ann Hall, right? Yes. Well, Chris Ann Hall spoke in the afternoon session on Friday, and then after we discussed all of the solutions and all the programs and policies and procedures that we need to implement in our uh, all across the country with these sheriffs to protect the 
the people from these COVID-19 mandates and the tyranny that's going on today. Uh, and we came up with some really great solutions that day, and, and sheriffs were really standing G- Give us a couple of examples. Okay. Uh, Sheriff uh, Del Bosque from Zapata County uh, was one of maybe four Democrats who came. He and his chief deputy uh, also showed up, and they said, this is the best training we've ever had. They actually took off their masks to take pictures with me, and they they hugged me and thanked me for this great conference, and they said, now we know what we're to do when we go back. Uh, I am going to be a better sheriff. I am going to protect my people. I am going to do more to protect the border because they're right on the border. And so it, there's there's one right there where a sheriff was completely converted in the two-day seminar that we had. And, and all, it was all day Friday. Friday went from 9 in the morning to 9, 9 o'clock at night. And then the next day we met in a closed session where no media was allowed until Chris Ann closed for us at the end of that set session. Another sheriff, Sheriff Johnson from uh, Real County in Texas, said, I want a list of the things we need to be doing and, and a list of uh, procedures that I need to do when any particular subject comes up. I want to know the case law behind it. I want to know the quotes from the, doc, uh, from the documents of the foundation of our country from the Declaration of Independence to the Bill of Rights and to the Constitution and, and any other case law like your case that supports us in this. And one that came really powerful from Michael, Michael Peruca was that this is pretend legislation and we have no responsibility to follow pretend legislation. And that term pretend legislation actually comes from the Declaration of Independence where the founding fathers were listing all the reasons why we fought the Revolutionary War and that we declared our independence. One was because the English Parliament and King George III promulgated pretend legislation, and that means anything contrary to the Constitution is pretend legislation and null and void on its face and that none of us should be enforcing tyrannical pretend legislation. Oh, man, it was powerful. Just And then, get this, a local judge by the name of Wayne Mack, M-A-C-K, no relation, and boy, he gave a good speech. And again, the the conversion of these sheriffs in that room, I'm so proud of Sheriff DeBosque and his chief deputy, who had the humility to be teachable. And several of the other sheriffs were the exact same way. Why they were there. They just knew they needed to be there. And it was an absolute moving testimonial as to what we're doing in this country is working. And, and I ask yeah. everyone listening to get on our website and join this holy cause and watch that video of this conference. Before we go to your website, and, and we're going to get all that information out, I find it interesting that a, a sheriff who's committed to law enforcement and doing the right thing and who happens to be a Democrat, notice my choice of words, who happens to be. That's not his defining characteristic. He looked at this and said, I got to do a better job enforcing the rule of law. And I think this cuts across not just sheriffs, but all of America. See, I tell my conservative friends, liberal Democrats are not necessarily your enemy. Some of them are victimized like you are 
but we're kept isolated through labels from the media and we need to reach across out to these people and work with them and find common ground and I think the other side will find themselves to be greatly outnumbered right yep uh, and that's absolutely true and that's why we were thrilled to have uh, other people there besides just the normal uh, sheriffs that are already trying to do some of this stuff we had sheriffs that some of them were just totally bewildered by the information, by what they heard. But some of their constituents actually got together and paid their way to be in attendance. One of those constituents called me today and said, hey, how did my sheriff do? I said both he and his undersheriff were there, and they did great. And, and so, that, in fact, that sheriff who they were really trying hard to get there, who's never been to any of this before, he said he wants to have this now, the next conference, over in Hill Country, which is the Fredericksburg and Kerr, Kerr uh, Kendall County and Kerr County and, and uh, Bartlett County or, or Barnett County. And we, we were thrilled with it, uh, Gillespie County, all that area. And so literally, again, they were kind of discussing and arguing about which place they should have it again. We've never had that before. We've never had that kind of a response from the sheriff's. And, and, you know, we're just praising the good Lord about all of this because, man, it was so spiritual and it was so patriotic. And, and right at the end, when, when Chris Ann finished with her admonition to all the sheriffs in the room, uh, as she explained, the oath of office binds them to the principles of liberty. And it is their sworn duty and utmost responsibility to defend, protect, and preserve the rights of their constituents when they swore that oath to protect the Constitution. And when she finished, she was just, everybody, there, in fact, several people were in tears. And that reporter I was just talking about, she talked about how many times that we were laughing and crying uh, and, and just so somber, and you could hear a pin drop in the room. It, it was an amazing uh, stream of emotions, but it was an amazing stream of conversion. And you could really feel the, the original spirit of America of 1776 in that room. And it was undeniable. And yeah, I, I, was, I, I praise the good Lord for it. I was uh, invited to the 51st state convention in January of last year. So my wife and I traveled there and uh, Governor Huckabee was there and Chris Ann Hall. And I got to share a table. Paul Preston, who's the head of that movement, is a very good friend of mine. And he said, Dave, I want you to come in and cover it, and I want you to interview all these people. So I interviewed Chris Ann, and I interviewed Governor Huckabee, and I shared a table with them for a couple of days. And I just want to let the audience know that what Sheriff Mack is saying here about Chris Ann Hall is so true. She isn't just good on stage. She, she's great on stage, but she yeah. is who she thinks we think she is. There is no pretense there with her. She gave up a lucrative job in government, um, uh, being a prosecutor in the government prosecutor's office, yeah, because she wouldn't yeah. play games with the other side. Yeah, she was told to stop teaching her constitution classes, and yeah. she refused. And so uh, they told her to resign, and she refused to do that, and they fired her. Yeah, but and we get people like you, and the other great sheriffs, and Chris Ann, and people like that. It's hard to believe that at the end of the day, that we're not going to prevail. 
Right. I mean, I, I, I know we're going to go through some hard times, Sheriff, but but I, do, I am optimistic. Well, you brought up your website a little while ago, and I want to return to that before we close. Um, you've got a website, and, and you are largely supported by citizen donations, and we do need to support people like Sheriff Mack and his organization because they're fighting for us. Without sheriffs, without people like Chris Ann Hall, we will degenerate into total abject communism. So, Sheriff, tell people about your site and how they can help you. Well, one, uh, every citizen can join this organization. You don't have to be a cop or current sheriff or a former cop or sheriff. The sheriff's boss has to be part of this organization and this movement, and that's us. That's we the people. That's you. That's the citizens of every county in this country. We'll make it. We'll make it if you're a part of this movement. Jefferson warned us that the price of liberty is eternal vigilance. That's all of us. That's all of us. And so please join us. Any of you can make uh, any amount of donation as you as you wish. Uh, we're still trying to pay off this conference. And believe me, this was the conference for the people of America. And we're going to keep doing them until we can't do them anymore. And who knows when that's going to be shut down. But we've, we've been blessed. God has blessed us. God is with this movement. This is a ministry. And we ask each of you to join us in this holy cause at CSPOA.org. Con- stands for Constitutional Sheriffs Peace Officers Association. CSPOA.org. CSPOA.org. And when we post this to the website, we'll put a link in there as well, too. But, but uh, ladies and gentlemen, these are people who are on the front lines fighting for you. We may not have our president right now for the time being, and we have an imposter but you have the real deal in these sheriffs who are fighting just as hard for your rights and probably in a more effective way because they can affect local change that a president can't. And that's why I want to really appeal to all of you to become a member of Sheriff Max Group and uh, generously donate as you can. Sheriff is always a very moving account here. I'm glad that Gary Haven joined you. I love Gary and uh, Chris yeah. Ann Hall. And you, you've got the headliners, my friend, and you're doing a fantastic <laughs> job. I want to thank you for joining us here on the Common Sense Show, and I'll be in touch. Thanks. Appreciate your day. Thanks. Thank you, Sheriff Mack. Ladies and gentlemen, Sheriff Mack, stay tuned. We'll be back after this.